This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, alongside here in the studio this morning on a beautiful day. I was day. just going to say, this wow. blue sky. Charlie, I've got, I've got to tell you. Yes. I'm um, coming down the DVP mm. at about 7.22. Of course. And I'm trying to catch when the exact moment is that sunrise occurs. I was fairly close. I had you check it out. Yes. It was seven sixteen, was it? I uh, think today. Yeah. It's it's yeah. another minute every day. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. Was it a great sunrise? What a beautiful, beautiful morning, and it continues to be. Yes, it and does. add that to the fact we've got a special guest, which with just us. adds to the beauty. Yeah. Special welcome, <laughs> Ryan Cullen is here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great. I'm glad you're here. Re- Ryan is a recent graduate from the Durham College Field to Fork program, where of course I teach. Ryan was one of my students uh-huh. last year. But now he's working for the college as the field coordinator. So you're going to tell us more about what your job is all about. And I'm going to put you on this hot seat here and make you answer some questions. <laughs> See whether that did, education did you bring sunk an, in. Did you bring an apple for the teacher today, Ryan? <laughs> I did not. No, sorry. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> all right. You're welcome in any case. My job is very simple. I just have to get the phone numbers on the air, and then folks can line up to talk to Charlie. So let and me do Ryan. that. And Ryan, And yeah. you, of course. Well, sure. your fan club. Well, and they line uh, up at your, your fan club. <laughs> Club is killer. Gosh, you've got to be my agent. I'm telling you. Okay, here we go. For Toronto area listeners, give this number a ring to talk to Charlie and to Ryan. 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. Our little mantra goes this way. Call early, call often. One question per call. And then uh, if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know, and he'll pass the word on to me. And when you get to the air, there's wings. Your, your, get your garden wings. Garden yeah. wings. First time callers. You can fly around like a little drone and look down at your beautiful garden. Exactly. Okay, I've only really got one announcement coming up this Monday, October mm-hmm. 2nd, 8 o'clock. The Agent Court Garden Club is hosting its regular meeting, and guests, are, as usual, are welcome. It's at the Knox United Christian Education Center, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd. The guest speaker is Michael Erdman on alliums and onions there's a flower show which is very friendly competition people bring in gardens all kinds of flowers and Mm -hmm. vegetables from their gardens 55 different categories so bring your cameras lots of fun and lots of great desserts too Alrighty. Uh, before we go to our first break, we don't have to do the right at the moment. Maybe that'd be a good time to set up uh, the reason why Ryan is here again and expand well, on that a little bit. Well, for sure, because uh, like I mentioned, Ryan's got this brand new job, and he's the inaugural employee of a brand new job. So it's called field coordinator at the college. So tell us a little bit about what you've been doing this last week or so. 
So, yeah, this last week I've really been kind of taking over from the Summerfield crew and harvesting a lot of what's been planted on the summer. So I'm kind of, the, I guess, the cleanup artist right now, the uh, closer pitcher, I guess, if you want to use a baseball <laughs> reference. The Osuna of the garden. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I'm kind of picking up on all their great work they did in the summer. So we have a uh, crew of five work-study students mm-hmm. that are in uh, either horticulture, food and farming, hort tech, or environmental studies. So I manage them as a crew, and I kind of coordinate their activities and you know we the last couple weeks we were um getting ready for the harvest dinner which is a big dinner Mm -hmm. we have at the very cool the table it's 125 people at one table wow outside Mm. in the garden oh really nice super exciting so um we got ready for that cleaning up the field making it look pretty um doing a lot of weeding Harvesting all the food that our chefs needed to prep the dinner. See, that's how it works, I think, really. The chefs, the culinary school at Durham College. Mm. So the chefs talk to the Hort department, and, and now they'll be talking to Ryan, because he's kind of the coordinator of all the field, about what they want planted that they can use in their cooking. Oh, right. So in the spring, a lot of the choices of seedling seeds that went in the ground were based on, you know, the beets, the, mm-hmm. the corn, oh. the okra, whatever it was, beans, yeah, Eggplants. Absolutely. So, And now what we're doing is um, a lot of the uh, storage crops that we planted in the summer, we're pulling them out of the ground now and getting them ready to store in our cool rooms, put in the fridges, and leave them for the chefs for academic programs and for the bistro upstairs. Well, isn't that nice? Yeah, well, good right. for you. Thank you. What a nice, what a nice job to have. I know. Huh? And, but there's a, one more part of your job. It's not just working in the garden and mm-hmm. doing all this, you know, getting dirty and harvesting, but one of your other jobs is doing outreach. Yeah, so there's a couple facets of my job, actually. Um, aside from being the, the coordinating the field efforts and the student crew, um, I'm also focusing on doing a bit of recruiting for the college, uh, going out and do some community outreach, um, connecting with some community organizations there. Also developing an urban farm strategy um, and working with different organizations um, in the community. Sounds just great. Okay, yeah. we're, we're anxious Busy. to have the lines open mm-hmm. for you and, and, of course, Charlie. And there's some great questions that are perfect for Ryan. Uh, Look, you... raspberries, oh, yeah. overwintering herbs okay. right up his alley. Boy, we... I hope I can uh, answer them all. <laughs> oh, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll have see. to refer to my teacher for some help, maybe. <laughs> okay, we got to take a break here, but we'll be back to say hi to Steve out there in Mississauga here on Zoomer Radio AM 740 as we broadcast live and direct from Liberty Village, the Zoomerplex, back soon. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And, uh, Charlie, uh, we're going to open the lines uh, right now and get to some of our callers. And remember, now we've got a special guest, Ryan Cullen. And we're going to put him on the spot. Yes, indeed. (laughs) All righty. Let's go out to Mississauga. Say hi to Steve. Steve, welcome to the show again. Yeah, hi, Steve. Good morning, one and all. It's nice to hear your voices. And yours. What's going on? Well, for what it's worth, just curious, Charlie, uh, when it comes to, uh, yeah, overwintering certain herbs, if I can bastardize Simon and Garfunkel, uh, parsley, dill, rosemary, and thyme. <laughs> so you want to bring them in? <laughs> well, ideally, uh, and or just how best to treat them if, if I don't, uh, such that there might be something come uh, spring. Uh, okay, so of the four you mentioned, parsley, dill, rosemary, and thyme, parsley is a biennial. What that means is that it's likely to survive outside the winter, 
But what will come up next next year, next spring, is flowers and leaves that will be quite bitter. So that's one that's worth bringing in if you can. Is it in a pot or the ground right now? It, everything's in the ground. It is a little bad. tricky to be digging things up and bringing them in, but, you know, certainly worth a try. Dill is an annual. It's going to die in the frost. So if you okay. want to keep – but it's such a big plant. I'd be inclined to just cut it down and dry the um, foliage or the flowers, whatever it is, for that flavor. But use it dried rather than trying to bring it in alive. But, you know, again, it's possible. Rosemary is a tender perennial, unlikely to survive the winter. I've never had it survive at my place. Uh, and time is fine. Just ignore it. It'll be there next spring. Okay. <laughs> it's a perennial. So, I was thinking, yeah, the, the chives is one of the first things that pokes, uh, pokes up. And I think, yeah, you're right with the time. That's one of the things that follows. Mm-hmm. Which is a lovely, uh, a lovely thing. Come March, April, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't need to, don't even try to dig those up. I mean, certainly, if you want to do any harvesting to bring in for the purposes of drying, you could do that uh, okay. with the, you know, any of the perennial stuff, and the annual stuff or the biennial parsley. It's up to you whether you want to try and dig it and dig it in or just, you know cut it down and enjoy what you've got. It would be so nice, though, to have it handy, uh, you know, in the in the kitchen or whatever, just to uh, to be able to pluck something in January. I agree. But you know what? Sometimes I see this quite often now, particularly because there is such, so much interest, like yourself, in the fresh, you know, savory herbs, is little plants for sale in the grocery stores mm-hmm. as we speak, and that oh. you'd have a better chance of success buying one of those new little freshly grown, already in a pot plants. Bring it, bring it home, put it on your window ledge, nice sunny spot, water as necessary. And if it's really happy, you can pot it up to a bigger pot size hey, in a couple of months. Go. That's a good idea. Yeah. Something, something like rosemary, too. You could maybe take some cuttings of the, of the new shoots and put them in pots in your window and see if they'll grow. You can try that. It's a little hard sometimes to get cuttings to grow roots at this mm-hmm. time of year. But mm-hmm. you know what? There's a big market that recently is rosemary Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. There's a, a grower down... Um, Beamsville way that grows little miniature rosemary trees. They're just they're gorgeous, oh. they're, and that's a nice thing. You can gift yourself a rosemary Christmas tree <laughs> when they're out. They're, they're usually in the stores by early December. Well, you brought forth a lot of good stuff there, Steve. Thank Thanks. you very much for the call. Thanks for calling. All right, we'll talk to you again, mostly most likely next week, huh? <laughs> uh, let's check in with North York here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. There's Art. Good morning, Art. Welcome to the show. Morning. What's going on? I want to find out. Uh, I've got about 200 uh, raspberry plants, and I can't seem to get them to bear very much fruit. But I was just wondering now, you can't dig around because the uh, the root system is so shallow. Mm. It might damage the roots. But I was thinking of putting uh, straw down around and then some mulch over top of that. Uh, this, you were thinking doing that now, this time of year? Or, well, this is the best time to get mulch, I guess. Um, you can get mulch just about any time. But uh, hold on. So you're in North York. You've got like 200 plants. That's a lot of raspberries. So you're on a... But I only had about uh, 10 quarts of raspberries. So. But so did you plant like 10 plants and then they've just spread? Spread, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. So raspberries can be challenging because they will take over your entire yard. That's one of the things they do, right? They send new shoots up from below ground from the roots. So suckers come up. So it's hard to get in amongst them when that starts happening. And they're prickly and to pick, et cetera. Then they get really crowded like that. Very poor air circulation and less and less in the way of fruit. So that's very common. There, are they getting lots of sun? Lots of sun, yeah. Okay, so what I would do, <clears throat> I'd get in there and do some pruning. Because any of the... I cut them back down to a foot. Okay, all of them? Yeah. Hmm. And 
What about digging some pathways in amongst? Are you just sort of happy with the way the patch well, is Well, I'm growing? afraid of the damage to the root system. They're, they're well, about, uh, some of them are only about 8 or 10 inches apart. Right, see, and that's what you need. You need that little more space. But don't worry about, like, if you have a sharp shovel and you go in and you sever, you know, dig straight down into the ground, you know, jump on the shovel, sever some roots separating the raspberries from each other, because you're right, a lot of them are attached. Right. Not a problem. The ones that are still on the ground... Leave them alone, the ones that are in the way. Like, give yourself some pathways in there, and don't be afraid to do some thinning in the process. Each cane should be at least a foot apart. So anything closer than that, I'd be, again, severing and removing. Um, I would think the compost is an excellent idea. You could do it now, or you could do it in the spring, but a good two inches of nice organic compost. Get it from maybe a local farm. Maybe you'll buy bags of composted manure. But uh, those are... Excellent additives. You've got the organic matter and you've got the nutrient coming from the manure. What about mushrooms in the mushroom? The, the soil from the mushroom farms, you mean? Yeah. Mushroom manure, I think they call it. Yeah, it's good. It's very good stuff. That's good. Again, a couple inches. You need that either now, like in the fall, or in the early spring. So if I put that in about, what, two or three inches? Yep. <clears throat> now the straw should go down first because if you put the straw on the, on the top, it'll if you get a windy day, it'll just go <laughs> away. So why do you want to put straw down? Well, they say you should put straw down, too. Oh. Uh, I don't think so. What do you think? think? Well, I think the mushroom compost will serve the same ends. It's organic. Yeah, it's all organic matter, and it's just you you want to be adding something onto the top, whether it's straw or mushroom compost. shouldn't make too much of a difference, but if I wouldn't put the straw under it, you you want to kind of keep a good carbon-nitrogen ratio between what you're adding on as mulch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mushroom compost will do the same thing the straw will do mm-hmm. with a little bit more. It'll feed the soil a little bit better. So about a couple inches of mulch, then, eh? Yep. yep. That'd be perfect. So that would help. Now, what about fertilizing? That's going to... There's, there's nutrition in that in that mulch. So that would help. Yep. That's going to add... It's going to feed the soil, feed the plants. Okay. Art, <laughs> I think we're, calling, we're Art. veering off to almost a second question here. So <laughs> <laughs> the traffic cop on the uh, garden Patrol show directing you to the side there. I almost had my ticket out, ticket book. <laughs> uh, meantime, first time caller will be along with uh, that in just moments here that on Zuma Radio. Raymond out there in Hamilton, you hold tight for us, okay? Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, here we are. Uh, by gosh, we have a first-time caller on the line, Charlie. Oh, your and, arm's going to get some Ryan, work yeah. out now. That's for Raymond, there in Hamilton. Hey, Raymond, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. You have your, your garden wings. Yeah. I have a question regarding a Christmas cactus. I heard in the past in your program that you leave them outside until uh, the fir- after the first frost mm-hmm. and then take them in. Mm-hmm. Now, I have uh, two plants on my balcony, and notice they're already full of uh, flower buds now. Nice. Do I still leave them out on, after the uh, frost to take them in now? When, when do you hope that they're going to bloom? Do you want them to bloom for Christmas specifically? Yeah, probably, yeah. Because if you, when they're covered in buds and they're outside and it's nice and cool, the buds are, are moving along, maturing very slowly. As yeah. soon as you bring those into the house, they're going to start to really pop. So mm-hmm. if you brought those Christmas cactus in today, you'd probably have full bloom in about a week. 
Oh, is that right, eh? Yeah. So the longer you can leave them out, the more you can prolong that blooms, oh. the blooming opening, the beginning of the bloom. Yeah, but the frost is not going to kill the, uh, the bots, eh? Nope, no, unless it gets really cold. They're good for, uh, you know, two, one, even zero. But if we're getting below zero, I'd probably bring them in. But the okay. cooler you can keep them and the sun, like when you do bring them in, put them right on a window ledge. So they're, it's right near the window, which is always the coolest. But yeah. make sure they're in lots of sun. Yeah, hopefully you have a sunny window in your apartment. All right, um, great. All righty. Thank you very much. You're very Super welcome. Raven, thank Thanks you. for calling. And uh, out to one of my uh, very favorite places along the uh, shoreline of Lake Ontario, Port Hope. Mm. And there's Audrey. Oh, first-time caller, too. <laughs> hey, there you go, Audrey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I have a problem with uh, brown spots in my hollyhocks and holes in my hostas. <laughs> uh, the hollyhocks, I had a dozen of them along the west side of my house, and they were growing beautifully, all ready to bloom, and the blooms never came out because the leaves looked so diseased with the brown spots. There has to be a bug or something in them. Well, so I can tell you what um, is getting the hollyhocks, but did the, so the flowers never opened? No, they never opened. Huh. All right. I cut so, them all off and I threw them out. Um, oh. Okay, so here, there's two things, two different things going on here. The yeah. hollyhocks... Very consistently, every year this happens to our hollyhocks, the leaves get a disease called hollyhock rust. Yes. And the little holes, it looks like somebody with a shotgun has blown little holes through the uh, leaves of your hollyhocks. If you had noticed originally, first there's little rusty colored spots, and then as time goes on, the little rusty bits fall out, and now you've got actual holes in the leaves. I never saw the holes, but I saw rusty spots in all the leaves. Okay, so what you got to do is you've got to just leave those leaves alone, yes. hope that the plant has enough green leaf to continue to photosynthesize and actually continue to set buds and open buds and you can enjoy the flowers. I always tell people just plant something in front of the hollyhocks that is short enough to cover, cover the leaves but not so tall as to cover the flowers because you, you can't win with that rust. It's going to happen. This year it happened in a big way because of all our high moisture and humidity levels. Right. So next year, if it's a little drier, expect that to happen. But don't take those leaves off. Leave them alone. Just mask them, camouflage them with something growing in front. And you should be able to enjoy the flowers. The hostas, on the other hand, being infested with slugs and snails. Again, high humidity, lots of moisture, bumper crop of slugs and snails at my house. I mean, I can't step outside without crunching a snail. So it's, they're everywhere. And yes, indeed, the, they don't look pretty. The hostas, Swiss cheese, that same, you know, shotgun through them. And that's those mollusks having a breakfast, lunch, and dinner while we're sleeping at night. So just recognize that none of this really matters right now. We're at the end of the season. The flowers are, or the leaves are going to disappear for the winter. Next year's a new, a new chance okay, to I grow new leaves. That would uh, help them or no? Um, sorry. Well, you can cut them down. If they're really, really ugly, cut them now. Otherwise, wait till a good frost, cut them down. Next year, get a hold of something called slug and snail bait, okay, little pellets. And yeah, and that will help protect your hostas. Okay. Or get some ducks. <laughs> ducks to eat the slugs and snails. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of different ways. Like little bowl of beer, real waste of beer, but little bowls of beer yeah. out in the garden, sunken into the ground. Yeah. The slugs and snails 
love beer, fall in and drown. So there's there's a bunch of different ways to, to control them. But yeah, they this year they really wreaked havoc, no question. Audrey, I'm, de- I'm delighted you called in because it, it got my creative juices flowing. And I've written uh, two lines of a country song already based on, I, I, I got brown spots on my hollyhocks, holes in my... Pasta, uh, pastas. Time to go inside and eat a lot of pastas. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Frank, and thank you, Audrey. <laughs> All righty. Off we go to, uh, well, another part of Toronto here. Lena, good morning and welcome to the show. First time caller. Yeah, another good morning. Good morning, Frankie, Charlie, and Ryan. How are you? Excellent. Fantastic. Um, I have a linden tree in front of the house. Actually, it's on the boulevard. It mm-hmm. belongs to the city. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I found a few holes, and I called the city, and they came out and looked at it, and they said they, that they're probably carpenter ants. Mm. But what my concern is, is, like, are they going to come back, or, like, what happens to them during the winter? Okay, I doubt it's carpenter ants. Carpenter nope. ants live on dead wood. Is the linden a, a thriving, alive tree? It is. The only difference I've noticed this summer is... Um, Quite a f- they're turning yellow. They've been falling more. Right. Yeah, we are seeing a fair amount of early defoliation. There's been no frost here in southern Ontario, but we are seeing leaves drop early. You know, it's funny. Last year, the stress was all about drought, so we saw some early leaf drop. This year, the stress is all about too much water. So again, we're seeing some leaf drop, but at least the, the trees are well watered this year to make up for the last couple of years of dry Again, I would not worry about leaves dropping early. This is very natural and normal. Days are getting shorter. Nights are getting longer. Plants are responding by shutting down for winter. That's all makes total sense. But the ants interests me. So you've seen ants. Have you seen um, any um, uh, sawdust on the ground around the tree? No, I haven't. But I have. um, I've stood there for a little bit. And I have noticed like big black ants going in and out of there. But now, in and out of where? In and out of where? That, the the uh, the holes. And the holes are in the bark of the tree. Yes, but why the city told me they're ants, I don't know. So that's what I'm just wondering. Could they be ants that well, are doing this? You, okay, could it be carpenter ants or ants? Well, you or see ants. If you see ants uh, and you see them going in and out of holes, then that's a we don't want that. Um, it could be that there there was a natural crevasse there, and the ants are just taking advantage of that. And they're just using, this is a nice little ready-made hotel. The ants are not eating the tree, so don't worry about that. Oh, okay. However, the ants could be carrying diseases, viruses, bacteria on their little bodies. They enter the hotel door there into the interior of the tree, and they can cause secondary problems by just by virtue of carrying things on their bodies what i would do what did the city suggest they just said don't worry about it yeah they told all they said was that um the tree is thriving it's doing fine Mm -hmm. and if next spring Mm -hmm. i see anything else i change then just to call them again okay Mm. the thing i would do now if you wanted to slow down that ant action is get a hold of just some simple paraffin so we're talking wax candle wax but don't you know just plain paraffin which is really accessible in the stores now because people use it when they're canning making jams and stuff they melt the paraffin and pour it on top melt it down so it's not liquid but soften it so that it's malleable and jam that paraffin into those holes and should i do that now yep i would so before the frost i guess anytime you want to do it yes i would do it because the, the i you really don't want 
answer anybody making homes in your trees. They they are just like I said, potentially going to cause all kinds of problems in the future. So the faster you can block their access, the better. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you, Charlie. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Lena. <laughs> what do you think, Ryan? Was that what would you do? No, that I don't really know too much about it. Um, I've heard in the past that the ants could be a sign that there's aphids on the linden tree, and, mm. and instead of the paraffin wax, maybe you could just wrap it in duct tape and. Get them to stick to the duct tape. <laughs> oh. uh, the ants? Okay. Oh, the tree. Uh, the tree. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? There's something called Tanglefoot. Mm-hmm. It's an actual sticky tape that mm-hmm. goes on the around the trunk of a tree. When we've got the like all uh, the loopers, any of the caterpillars climbing oh, in the spring. Yeah. Remember, right. we had some big problems this spring with um, you know various caterpillars. So the but I wouldn't use duct tape. Duct tape is very hard on trees. <laughs> but Tanglefoot works. So, yeah, you're right. You could do something like that mm-hmm. right low if they're going up into holes that's, mm-hmm. you know, above ground. Let me uh, repeat the phone numbers just in case we have folks listening in for the very first time. Jot these down, okay? In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And for those of you who would like to send Charlie an email, here's her address. It's C dot Dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. And with that, let's go to Waterloo. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Can oh, I just interject sorry. for one yeah, second? sure. Um, I do, show. I, thank you. <laughs> I do have a few emails that I'm not going to have a chance to get to today because we've got so much going on. But I want to just mention one. Uh, David Kennedy wrote in and said he had heard me on the radio last week giving a recipe for green tomato raspberry jam. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. So uh, he didn't. He was driving. He didn't get a chance to write it down. It's a super, super simple recipe, so I just want to say it again. Get your pencils out. The, if you've got, there is frost even being forecast potentially tonight. So if you've got green tomatoes on your plants, you don't want to leave them out in the frost. They're not turning red mm-hmm. today. So here's what you can do. You need three cups of green tomatoes two cups of white sugar, and two packages of either red or black raspberry jello powder. So three simple ingredients. Boil the tomatoes, the sugar, and the jello powder together for about 20 minutes, and then pour that whole mess into some clean jars. You can either freeze that jam or do that paraffin topping I just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and there you go. You have what we call green tomato raspberry jam. Jeez, that's almost idiot-proof for a guy like me. Exactly. Honestly. And yeah. it's a really good use of green tomatoes. Terrific. All right, so there you go, David, and anybody else who wants to try that. Very good. Okay. Off to Waterloo to say hi to Mary. Good morning, Mary. Welcome to the show. Morning. Hi, Mary. Hi, Ryan. Hello. There you go. Ryan's here, too. What's going on? Yep. Charlie, I bought two bamboo shoots, okay? They're about seven, eight inches tall. How do I plant them on? Okay, so are these indoor plants or outdoor plants? The bamboo plants? Yeah. They're indoor, honey. Okay. And so when you bought them, were they in little jars of water? You bet. Okay. Do you want to just leave them in the water, or you you could plant them in soil, or you could just leave them in the water? They're quite amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. They're quite decorative. People will get, you know, a nice little vase or glass, uh-huh. you know, yeah. whatever of some kind. And those bamboo, oh, they can live for years and years and years. Every now and then, you dump out the water, scrub your, your vase, fresh water, jam those little plants back in, and you're good to go. Yeah, they're, I wouldn't they're, they're like weeds. It's pretty hard to kill them. Yeah. Sorry, but what was that? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have to use soil? You don't have to. You can. You have that option to get small pots. You would start with probably a 4-inch or, if necessary, depending on the root mass, a Mm -hmm. 6-inch, but nothing bigger than that. Fresh potting soil and moisten that fresh 
potting soil, whether it's a soilless mix. It's just an all-purpose potting soil that you need. Uh And then you would just moisten it, get it into your pots. Remember, the pots have to have drainage, so pots with drainage holes. And uh, and then just bury the roots, making sure that where the crown of the plant, so the crown, where's the crown found? Do you know, Ryan? Just above the roots. Exactly, where the stem and the roots come together. There's a magical little spot called the crown. Mm -hmm. And that's your your soil level. That's exactly what, what you, the height you would plant them at. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so okay. much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Mary. But Sounds like another happy customer here yeah. on the Garden well, Show. Well, it's funny. She called them bamboo plants, and yeah. they are called lucky bamboo, right? We yeah. see them marketed that way. It's at, They're actually dracaena. They're, oh, really? they're not bamboo at all. But um, So they're kind of cool because they can grow in the sun, grow in the shade. They can grow just anywhere in your home. Yeah, it's an awesome house plant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what. Let's take a little bit of a break here, give a... Uh, Ryan, a chance to recoup from all this hard work we've been giving him. <laughs> Poor Ryan. And yeah, I know. <laughs> He's just... sweating over there. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie as well. Meantime, uh, get set to hear from more callers, including Mary from Brampton, who's waiting on the line. We'll be to you very shortly, Mary. Hang tight here on Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie and Ryan, let's welcome from Brampton, Mary. Hi and welcome to the show, Mary. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Mary. A question. I have a rose bush that I thought died, but lo and behold, it's putting up new shoots. Nice. Yeah. Now, what's the best way? I went to the garden store, and I saw these rose uh, covers. Colors. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You know, what's the best way to put them to sleep over the winter so they're, you know... Come yeah. back in the spring. Okay, so what you saw at the garden center, were they little styrofoam? They look like coolers? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, tell me more about this rose. Did you plant well, it's it? Brand new. I planted it in the middle, mid-spring. It's one of those roses that was cultivated for Canada's 150 years. Oh, okay. Very pretty. Do you but remember when it's... I a girl and I didn't take care of it. So it's coming back nicely, which surprised me. How do I put it to sleep? What do I do to winterize? You don't have to do anything. That no. rose is a hardy rose. It's growing on its own roots. I just mm. the name is escaping me right now, but it is something like that. It's called, by you know, sesquicentennial or something. Right. But I think that's, that's what it's. I yeah, and it's red, and I've seen. I saw it for sale at a couple of places this past spring. So, assuming you've planted it in full sun and in uh-huh. a very good, fertile, rich, fairly rich soil. Oh yeah. And you just, it's going to naturally go to sleep. It's going to naturally drop its leaves. Uh, my roses are still putting out buds and flowering as we speak, but as it gets colder and colder, it's, they're slowly but surely just going to go to sleep, and you just let them go to sleep. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, I'm surprised that they, that the, you know, putting out new new leaves, and, and so it's, yeah. oh, I'm here, it's still alive. I know. Well, it, you know what, that warm blip. Yeah. That we had that really huh. warm blip that yeah, really it. messed up some of the plants. They were they were all ready to slow down, and then all of a sudden it was Bing. let's grow, let's yeah. grow. And uh, so yes, so just let it do its natural slowing down, going to sleep, leave it alone. If it's anywhere near a walkway or a driveway, when the snow falls and you're shoveling, feel free to shovel snow over the rose. Yeah, I, mean, I heard it's, about that. It's, it's a nice a... way to just provide that sort of insulation. It just protects the rose from some of the crazy ups and downs we get with our temperatures in the winter. Okay. So next spring... Let it do its thing. Yep. Next spring, you're going to get rose food, mm. and you're going to get out your sharp pruners, and we're going to mm. prune it in the spring, and we're going to feed it in the spring. 
Okay. All thank right. you very much. I'll call you in the spring. Uh, sounds okay, good. Mary. I look forward <laughs> Take to that. Care. Always. Hang in there. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> you know, uh, Ryan Cullen has done a great job answering questions. Let's see how good of a pitch man he can be for, <laughs> for Durham College. Durham College. Hmm. Hmm. All right. You're on the spot there, <laughs> Ryan. Tell us a bit about the program, because I know you're working for the college, but it's a very unique and innovative program, the, the Field to Fork program yeah, so and it, the culinary connection. Yeah, so it's not just, um, you know, it's not just horticulture, food, and farming. We do have a small, um, about just under half acre market garden style kind of farm, but we also have a Field to Fork restaurant called Bistro 67. So it's really an integrated campus in the, in the fact that we have um, a very good culinary program, a hospitality and management program, as well as uh, event planning in there as well with our to complement our horticulture, food and farming, and our horticulture technician program. So it's really integrated, and it, it's cool because um, I get to be a bit of an ambassador for the Center for Food, um, and it's always just buzzing with, with everything food going True. on there. So we have all these culinary um, food labs, as I said, the restaurant, um, that's open to the public. So if and you, the if, little pantry too. Where yeah, you do takeout. Absolutely. We so we do. Great we soups. have a small little pantry that um, our culinary students will prep um, in class um, soups and um, sandwiches, and they also do all kinds of things um, with Baked. our produce from the fields mm-hmm. as well, turning them into value-added products, um, and always all kinds of baked goods too. And we're putting in our fresh produce in there that's coming off the field. So mm-hmm. if you're in there for lunch or dinner, or you just want to stop in off the highway. Uh, pop in and get, get a some, bushel of potatoes. Wow, get wow. some student-grown, <laughs> yeah. um, local yeah. produce yeah, and support much. your student farmers. Yeah, yeah and, and November eighteenth is a big day. 10 yes, to this two is true. So we have house. a uh, open house both at Oshawa and Whitby campuses. So if, for those of you who don't know, um, our Center for Food is at our Whitby campus, and you can pop in um, on that date and check us out between ten and two. Um, but you're also welcome anytime. Um, the Center for Food's open for the public, especially mm-hmm. the bistro. Yeah. And we do host a lot of tours, so if you do have, um, you know, a, a student group or an organization and you're interested in mm-hmm. what we do down there, um, give us a call. Check mm-hmm. us out online um, and come on down and check us out, and I'll probably be the one giving you the tour. Hey, that, there you go. Well, yeah, and we're at the Whitby campus. Oshawa was the original campus, so mm-hmm. that's older and it's more up north. Mm-hmm. We're right at the 401 and Thixon Road. You can actually see the school from the 401 on the north side. Okay. So, um, and yeah, I have bought some amazingly delicious foods from the little pantry. It's like borscht and things like that. Yeah. Just oh, to die for. Yeah, yeah. Lentil soup, some really great soups. And the sweet potatoes this year are huge. So I'm looking forward to some good soups from those. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think I'm the best customer there too. <laughs> <laughs> They're making money off them for guys. For, for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to uh, Joan out there in Burlington who's been very patient on the line. Good morning, Joan. Good morning, everybody. How are you all? Excellent. Fantastic. Okay, Charlie, I have grown everything, just about everything, asters, dozenias, but I have never grown Shasta daisies, so my question is, when or if do I cut them down? So, depending, most of the newer varieties of Shasta daisies will will re-bloom if you deadhead through the season. Yes, I did that. Yeah, so, and did you continue to get some blooms as the season went on? Yes. Yep, and just, so now you've probably just got some blooms that are past their prime and a lot of green leaves. That's right. You know what? We haven't had a frost. Don't do any cutting back on anything until things are, are truly frosted. Okay. Because that, physiologically, that really shuts the plant down. Mm-hmm. If you prune early, you cut down when the plant is still actively growing to some extent, right? They are still photosynthesizing and 
storing carbohydrates for the winter. You just you 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 force the plant to shut down when it's it could still be actively preparing for for the winter that's coming. So leave everything as long as you can. Um, I'm going to double check. I heard something about frost potential tonight. Oh, thanks a lot for frost. So I'm not ready for that. I no. uh, yeah, not at all. Uh, <laughs> so I'm summer. hoping I, I misheard that. So I'll I'll double check and report back on that. But yeah, it, once we do get a frost, you'll, then we're in good shape to start a whole bunch of coming yeah. back. These are plants that I got from one of my daughters. They didn't do, I didn't have a lot of flowers this year, possibly because I do not get more than about four hours of sun mm. during the whole of the day. Yeah, that's true. The, the more sun, the more flowers, typically. Yeah. But also remember, a newly planted plant, lots of energy should go into root growth and getting established, not wasting its time plant, uh, growing flowers the first year. Thank you so much. Don't worry. Okay. Get, it will get better. <laughs> Thank you, Joan. And I need just a little bit of a recoup time here to exercise my bell ringing arm uh-huh. because we do have a first-time caller waiting on the line out there in Brantford. So hang tight, would you please, Patricia? We'll be back here on the Zoomer Radio Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and Ryan Cullen. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, let's go to a a first-time caller here. That would be Patricia out there in Brentford. Hello there. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I was uh, giving my lawn some TLC yesterday by applying some grass seed to some thin areas along with a fertilizer application. And... uh, I noticed some holes in the lawn, especially in the back of the garden where there's not thick grass. And I just wondered if the window of time to apply the nematodes was still open now. I know you usually say August. Uh, you know what? Likely. Likely you still have an opportunity. Because of that warm, warm weather. Well, the, yeah. Extended see, thing. That's it? right. So the, the grubs, if you have some, and of course if you see holes, chances are you do have some grubs mm-hmm. because that's the starlings and the raccoons and skunks that dig them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So getting a hold of, of some nematodes, and of course Frank will tell you how that works because he is the nematode uh. king. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is the only That's why we call him the sous chef of the garden. It's the only thing. He knows, but um, but uh, bottom line is yes, the the grubs are still high enough. They go down for the winter, right? They go way down below the frost line. But okay. the soil is still warm. Mm-hmm. Chances are they're still high enough. The nematodes could still find them and annihilate them. Uh, okay. Did you get lots of rain at your place? We got a few little showers yesterday. I wouldn't say it was a heavy rain, but we did get some. If you if you're going to apply nematodes, follow the instructions thoroughly, and it's all about a moist lawn, mm-hmm. the nematode application, and then further moisture being added because the the nematodes travel in water. You've got to have they have to have access to water. Well, I was going to water anyways because I just applied fertilizer, right. so that won't yeah. matter that I've already done those no. other you know applications no. of grass seed and fertilizer. No. Not at all. Can do no. the nematodes as well? Yep. Okay. Yep. Just you know, I just mix them up, get a watering can, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze the sponge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about a $40 sponge. It all seems kind of wacky, but they do work. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. I'll get, uh, that, get going on that today. All right. Thank Good you luck with much. that. You're Thank very you, welcome. Pa- <clears throat> Thank you, Patricia. Nice to have you with us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Uh, another first-time caller, for gosh sakes. How about that in St. Catherine's Eve's on the line? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Good morning, Eve. 
Uh, I don't know anything about gardening. I bought a house now, and I got to do gardening. <laughs> That's awesome. what happened. That's great. Well, what happened is I've got a rose bush that I, I, I didn't know when to cut it, what time of the year, and I ended up with only two stems coming out of the ground, but it grew to, the, the rose bush grew to be thin and very tall, like 10 feet tall. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. When's a good time to cut the, uh, the the stems or whatever so that it grows whiter and, and uh, you know, blooms fresher, if you will? Okay. So here's the rule of thumb with roses, particularly roses like yours that are going to need some pruning. If you left that 10-foot straight-up stem alone for the winter, the wind would whip it around and it would likely break yep. uh, and get damaged as a result of breakage, or it could actually hurt somebody. You know, it could be whipping around and of course roses can really grab you when you least expect it. Correct. So the rule of thumb with roses, if you're going to do pruning, is this. You cut them to your knees, the height of your knees in the fall, and your ankles in the spring. Okay. Okay. So we're not at fall yet. Wait till we get a little cooler, particularly where you are. It's probably blooming and full of green leaves. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So let it be for another probably month, maybe even longer. I've I've had situations where I didn't do any cutting to my roses, my fall preparation, winter preparation on my roses till after Christmas because it just hadn't been cold enough. So you want the plants to be truly dormant. We want a hard frost before we do any pruning on the roses. And yeah, that 10-footer is going to come down to knee height or even slightly, you know, thigh height. Make sure you can bring it down to no taller than a meter, though. So I'll just end up with two stems to start off with. No, and then next spring, then it's going to be down to the ankle. So you're right. You can have two little stems that are three inches tall. Next spring, and some fertilizer, rose food. Yes. And it's going to turn into a bush as a result. Okay. Okay. Boy, you're you're in a perfect, I'm sorry, you're in a perfect spot there in St. Catherine's uh, Garden City. Garden City, exactly. Yeah, it's phenomenal. (laughs) That's great. Well, congratulations on owning a 10-foot tall rose. And uh, And a house. House, yeah. 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 (laughs) Thank you. All righty. Thank you. Bye-bye. This could be, um, depending on the length of the call, uh, our final call. You never know. Lawrence in Whitby, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Hi there. Have you ever visited the college, Lawrence? Pardon? Have you ever visited Durham College? No. Well, no, you haven't. you should come visit Open House coming up okay. in November. Or yeah, was it November? Yeah, November. November eighteenth. November eighteenth. Right. Oh, okay. Do you All right. question? Yes. What's going on? I got a problem with squirrels. I got a lot of big spruce trees around and a, a bumper crop of cones, mm-hmm. and I got a barn. Mm-hmm. with a loft in it, and mm-hmm. the squirrels seemed to want to winter there, and I didn't know how to treat them, to discourage them, mm-hmm. and I got a hard, uh, home hardware circular, mm-hmm. and they got a sonic repel, mm-hmm. rodent re- yeah, repeller. electrical thing, yeah, you plug yeah, it in. And I didn't know if a squirrel is classed as a rodent. Yeah, they are. They're just, yeah, they are rodents. Do those things work, though? So it's a super high-pitched sound comes out of them. Like, we can't hear it. But uh, animals can hear it and are very repelled, would never be happy and comfortable where that sound is. It's worth a try. I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, I think you don't have a squirrel problem. I think you just have a cat problem. I think you just need to get a couple more cats. Cats. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my approach. Squirrels are tough to get rid of, Uh especially if they're nesting. I think uh, if you want to do it in a natural way, Mm. I think the cat would... Cats always do a good job of keeping those kinds of things. Any away. rodents down. Yeah. Yeah, like a farm kind of requires Absolutely. cats. Do you have any cats now, Lawrence? No, 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 I'm not a cat person, and I'm, 
I don't intend to buy one, but I just wanted to know if if it was uh, feasible to buy one of these repellers. Yeah, it's worth a try. You know what? They're not inexpensive, but you know, get get a hold of one, follow all the directions, and then let us know whether it works. Because I would like to hear, you know, from a from a user whether you've had uh, success with that. Otherwise, you're just talking, obviously, trying to block every crack and cranny. But squirrels are can yeah. chew through wood. If they want to be somewhere bad enough, they'll they'll go there. So it'd be hard to keep them out that way. And then it's repellents. It's you know bad smelling things. Yeah. Soaps and I realize that uh, blood that meal. I can't secure the barn. Uh, no, that you know to block them out. It's just too impossible. Ventilated yeah. as it is, yeah. but I'll try the uh, repeller. And, yeah, and yeah. Let us know, please, Lawrence. Contact you in results. That'd okay. be great. Super. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hmm. What an interesting show it has been with uh, the help of uh, Ryan here, too. No, uh, I got such a number break. of great questions, huh? <laughs> I got such a break. I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> yeah. let, let Ryan answer that one. So uh, what's going on? You're back uh, on air later today? Yes, indeed, from 1 to uh, 3.30. Mm-hmm. And we'll be having lots and lots, of course, great music. Playing of course. all the wonderful old hits that we uh, do here at uh, Zoomer Radio. And getting prepared for... Uh, an, actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to next Tuesday. Yeah, you're uh, having early Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, I'm going to be probably working on Thanksgiving Day itself, the holiday Monday. Uh. So uh, Kelly and Toby, my two sons, and their, their kids are coming out to the farm on, uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday, and it looks like it's going to be a gorgeous day, sunny with a high of 25. So oh, my oh, goodness. Beautiful. Man. Going yeah. back to, to some more summer yep. weather. Bring yeah. it on. Shirley's got the whole Thanksgiving dinner planned. And She's telling amazing. Oh She's it's amazing. Great. Hey, so, Ryan, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having all me. All the way into Liberty Village from Whitby. It's been great. I hope you had fun. I had a blast. Remember, this show is podcast. It'll be up probably by Wednesday, so we should get the college to maybe be able to link somehow. Absolutely. It'll be fun to do as well. So, Thanks again. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Sebastian. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.